Uh, uh, hi, my name's Brad. Good to see you. We're talkative today. This is going to be wonderful. Uh, we are on our third week of our, of our series, Spirit, Soul, Body. Uh, last week we talked about spirit. Uh, the week before we defined the spirit. Last week we looked about how Jacob learned to live out from his spirit. This week we're going to talk about the soul. So your bulletin title says, I got soul. Why? You all got soul. Whether you know it or not, or whether you have tapped into it or not, you have soul. Uh, in this series, we're looking into the, this idea that God uh, wants us to be whole, but more than that, God wants us to be full. And to be full, which it means that we have to live from our spirit that affects our soul and then affects our body. Our bodies are divided. The way we live is divided. We, uh, and the way we live being so divided has divided our society. Our society is broken. If you haven't noticed yet, I'd like to look at what you're looking at to see how you haven't seen it. We have divisions. We have political tribalism. We have epidemic suicide rates. We have uh, brokenness that's all around. And you look at it and go, this is not how we were intended to be. This place is broken. Uh, we need some help. And here's the good news. Jesus offers that. He says, I have a way to awaken your spirit, to impact your soul, and to live out through your body the way you were intended to live. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the soul. And if you're anything like me, this spirit, soul, body can be so confusing, right? It's okay to say yes. I've talked to a few of you and everyone answered yes. So the little pocket research I did, you're off the hook. Spirit, soul, our culture tends to intermesh them and we call one the other and the other one and so we don't know the difference between them. And so today I want to define the soul. I want us to look at it, what it means because here's my, here's my theory. Until we are able to differentiate between the spirit and the soul, we will not experience the fullness or the wholeness that we desire or that God gives. So we have three questions. What is the soul? Is the, how is the spirit released? And, or why does it need to be released? And how is it released? Okay? Just a warning. It's going to be real boring for the first part. Okay? Like, boring. I read it a couple times this morning. Bored. Uh, all right. <laughs> and you're going, how is this different from every other week? My hope is that towards the end, with the illustration of my Hobby Lobby fake tree, uh, it will all make sense, okay? Here's we go. Let's go back to the beginning, and we'll figure it all out. Genesis. How many of you know where Genesis is? Yes. Okay. It's at the beginning. John, it's at the beginning. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Here we go. What is the soul is this first question we're getting at today. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Two phrases I want you to look at here. If you have your Bibles, you can circle them. If you're on your app, you can highlight them. The first phrase I want you to look at is breath of life. How many of you would like to, to say a couple Hebrew words? Okay. This one you might want to tap the person in front of you and apologize or get a tissue. Namash he. You got to get the in there. Okay, ready? Neshma hey. Do it. Neshma. Okay, whatever. You guys are close. It means this. Breath. It means spirit. It means the spirit of God imparting life. 
the spirit of mankind. It has a whole array of meanings, and you just don't pick one and, and say, this one fits the best. But all of them, when you come together, it means that this is the part of the human spirit where God breathed into us, obvious by the verse. God's breath into us, giving us his spirit, okay? That's the spirit. So already, our bodies were formed in the dust of the ground. We're pretty aware of what our bodies are, right? You have a body, your arms, your skeleton, your body, your spirit, the breath of God in you. This is the animating force to who you are, okay? The next phrase, uh, became a living being. Another word, nefesh, a lot easier. Go for it. Nefesh, it means soul, it means desire, it means appetite. Uh, it's referred to in other places in scripture as the throat or the heart. It is your emotions, it is your will, it is your passion, it is your soul. And so already in the beginning of, the, in the beginning of scripture, you have your body, spirit, soul. Three separate things, okay? In Genesis, right at the beginning, we can see that to, our, to ourselves, there are three parts. And we have the circles. Mr. Grassic, fire up that machine. Body, soul, spirit, the innermost part of you, spirit. The difficult part that we run into is we erase the line between spirit and soul and get really confused. So here's some easy definitions, okay? If you want to write these down, I'm telling you it was going to be boring. Here we go. This feels like class. The first one, Mark, show us body. Body. Now, definition. The body is the... Are you with me? Okay. The body is formed from the dust, and to the dust the body will return. This is what we say on Ash Wednesday. It's a reminder. Your body is temporary. Uh, This is the part of you that takes up space. The mass, the matter, the protons, electrons, neutrons, all the other things I failed to pay attention to in science class. This makes your body. It's your five senses. It gives you a world awareness of the things around you. It gives you a world consciousness, okay? Next, Mark, show me soul. Okay, soul, the next ring down. The soul is this. It is the seat of God consciousness. If the body is world consciousness, the, I'm sorry, that's, that's right. It is the seat of God consciousness. It's the seat of self-consciousness. It's the seat of self-consciousness, not God consciousness. I was wrong. The soul is our intellect, our emotions, our will, which are processed by the senses. So you see the outside, that's your body. It is processed by your soul, your mind, how you think. It's your emotions. This is the deliberating part of your brain. It's where you get your power and your judgment. It makes your decisions. This is the soul. It is your self-consciousness. Next slide, Mr. Grassic. Spirit. We talked about this a little bit last week. Define spirit for us, sir. I feel like we're in family food. Feud. The spirit is the part that God breathed into you. It is the core of who you are. It is the God consciousness part. This is where true worship comes from. Jesus says to the woman at the well, John 4, you must worship in spirit and in truth. From the core of you, or this is the part that responds to God. Do we see the difference in this now? Body, soul, spirit. Our souls are shaped by our circumstances. Our spirits are the image of God that was placed in you from the beginning that is shaped by God. 
Our souls respond to the things around us. In Matthew five or Matthew 11, Jesus ta- talks about brokenness and he prays that we would find rest for our souls, for the restlessness that we all feel. In Psalms, you can flip through Psalms and almost on every page, you will find David saying, my soul thirsts for you. The spirit wears the soul and, as, and the soul wears the body. Uh, In order for Christ's life to shine through us, it must come from our spirit, impact our soul, and be shown out through the body. Here's here's an example. When you're hungry, what is that? Body. When you're hungry, it is the body. When you're healing from a breakup or you just watch little women at the theaters and you're crying, what is that? Soul, or, yeah, soul, you had to see Little Women, sorry. It's a good movie, Jen. I'm making a joke. She's going to get me for that one. Um, We have different tastes in movies, vastly. It's awesome. Soul is that part where you feel, okay? Spirit, there's the answer for the next one, spirit. When you hear a worship song and it moves you, when you hear a verse and it just makes sense, It's that God part reaching into the God part of you and saying, here, I'm here. I'm awakening your spirit now. That's the difference between them. So what happened? This is how we were supposed to live, right? Spirit engaging the soul, showing itself through the body, all three of them working together. But something happened in Genesis 3. The serpent came. We all know the story. It's the fall. The temptation that was brought by the serpent wasn't, he wasn't talking to the spirit. He was talking to Eve and Adam into their soul, into their mind, making them consider, think. They were looking at it from intellect or body desires. The, the soul of them was desiring this. And because of this, we've, some of us know the story, the spirit and soul were cut off. It was like a wall was built and it placed around it. And Ephesians 4 says it this way, we became separate from God. This is what happened. The spirit was, was, was detached. It was still there. The spirit never died. The image of God of you never goes away. You are never all the way gone. The spirit is still in you. However, the spirit and the, and the soul have a hard time communicating So instead of God being able to have full reign of our souls and our bodies, our intellect, our will, and our emotions, all of those began to run the show instead of our spirit running the show. And at that time, the spirit lost all its power. This is why the very first question we see that God asks in Scripture is the question, where are you? Where are you right now? It wasn't that God didn't know Adam was hiding over there in the fig tree and Eve was over there next to him. It's not like he didn't know where they were. It was just that part that he knows that spirit was shut off. And he's like, whoa, 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 where'd you go? Carrie does this to me all the time in the car. We'll be driving long distances and all of a sudden I'll start, stop talking and my mind will go someplace else and she'll look at me and go, where are you right now? I was like, well, I was trying to figure out, you know, what the 49ers are going to do for the defensive scheme next week and all this. And my, I'm someplace else. They're playing next week. You guys know that? So, and so, but, but she, but I'm someplace else. I'm still physically there. Adam and Eve were still physically there, but God looks at, looks at them and goes, where'd you go? 
The part that I recognize in you, my part in you has been walled off. Uh, and, and so he asks, you're different now. You still have the life I've breathed into you, but it's been cut off from the rest of you. What's going on? Do we see how big a problem this could be? Because you and I were never meant to live like this, according to the soul. We are meant to live from the spirit. We are meant to live out how we were made, not how we have fallen. We were made to live as Genesis 1 and 2 creatures in a Genesis 3 world. We are, not, we are not meant to live broken. God wants to make us whole again. More than that, God wants to make us full again. Wholeness is great. It's a byproduct of being made full. The Bible never really talks about being whole. It says, you will be filled with my spirit and my spirit will then guide you and dictate and, and let you and you follow what my spirit does. And out of this, we've began to live our lives in reverse. We live from body down to soul and into spirit. Uh, Satan looks at us that way. Tempt you with your body, it'll affect your soul. And I've already cut off the spirit, so it doesn't really matter. God wants us to live from our spirits to our souls to our bodies. So why does this need to be released? Because we find ourselves in a place where in order to live the life that we intended, our spirits need to be awoken and released, not so that we may be made whole, but so we may be made full. God's plan for us is to once again be governed by the Spirit in order to display God's glory. This is why Paul says in Galatians 5.16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Are we all still with me? Okay, cool. We're all still awake? Some of us? Okay, awesome. How can you walk by the Spirit unless the Spirit is released and we are mindful to pay attention to it? This is why Paul is saying this. Walk by the Spirit. Pay attention to the Spirit. Walk by its power. In in verse 17, Jen read this earlier. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not able to so so that you are not to do whatever you want. This is soul living, doing what your desires, doing what you feel like doing. That's not spirit living, that's soul living. Living this way can also happen. Uh, Living this way, you cannot walk by the spirit. Instead, when you live this way, you end up slipping into those old habits and the old way of walking, being governed by your desires, your own will, your own ways of thinking, and identifying, your old ways identifying, your old ways of discerning. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says this, the natural man, the soulish man, does not accept what comes from the Spirit. The French, I don't know much French, but we looked at this one because it was interesting. The French have this way of taking saying soulish man as the animal man. It's the, it's the part, mankind, that is just governed by what they want. They do whatever they want because they're animals. There's no control over them. Uh, and, and I agree with this because what's different between us and animals is we have the breath of God. We have the spirit within us. Animals didn't get that kind of attention. So the French, are, the French have it right for once. Yay! They say the animal man... Because its understanding is that the animals do whatever they want. So when our spirits are walled off, they aren't functioning to the point where they need to be functioning. And so we are living solely by our survival tactics, which Paul defines as flesh, bodies. This is how we're living. And this can be destructive. Paul lists them. 
He says, here they are, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and I like this last part, and the like, because there's probably more he didn't put in there. This is what happens when your soul runs the, the roost, when your soul is in charge. You start doing the things that feel good. But here's the tricky part. When we want to conquer this, when we want to not take part in those things of the flesh, what we usually do is say, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution to no longer do this. And then we try with all of our might. I am no longer going to have that selfish ambition. And then we try and we white knuckle it. It's more than just saying no to the things of the flesh. Because when you say no to the things of the flesh, it's very easy to fall back into the things of the flesh. Why? Because you can't just say no to something. You have to say no to, you have to say yes to something else. My parents were Bob Newhart fans. Many of you know who Bob Newhart is? If you're over 40, maybe. Okay. Bob Newhart had this sketch where he was a, psych, where he was a counselor, a, a, a psychologist, and people would walk into his office, and he, he played the part well. He'd sit down, and they'd, they'd come in, and they'd say, uh, Doctor, I have this problem with my spouse, and they'd go on and on and on, and then he'd go, Okay, stop it. And that was his medical advice. Stop it. Those of you who have been in therapy know that that's usually not how it goes. You've got to dig deeper. Stop it. And then the next person, and they'd look at him like, What? And then he'd escort them out, and then he'd go call the next patient, and he'd come in, and the therapist then goes, so tell me how you feel. Well, I feel like I'm self. Stop it. And that was his advice. Best therapist ever, right? Just stop it. This is how we tend to address the things of the soul or the things of the flesh. We say, I'm just going to stop it. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to grit my teeth. I'm going to stop it. And does it work? No. There are times when the stop it tactic comes in handy. There are times when you do actually just need to stop it. But you can't just stop it. You have to say yes to something else. You have to say yes to something better. This is why in the beginning of this Galatians passage, it says, how do you do this? Walk by the Spirit. How do you get over the flesh? Walk by the Spirit. That's how we overcome the ways of the flesh. We tend not to think that way. We ignore that part. Why? We don't get it. I don't get it. Walk by the Spirit. I've told you about my old dog, Tugger, right? The 105-pound ADHD black lab that just pulls you everywhere. Uh, I would take him walking. And uh, and we'd be at the park across the street from my parents' place down in California. And we'd be walking, and and there'd be a lake over here that was like a storm-drained lake, and it was just gross. And and we'd be walking there, and and I'd look ahead, and I'd see ducks. And Tugger's instinct, lab retriever, ducks. And on other circumstances, I'd be like, this is going to be awesome. He's going to chase after these ducks. He's going to jump in. He's going to come back with dinner, right? Then I start thinking, no, this is going to be gross. He's going to chase after these ducks, and he's going to go into this Lord knows how many disease-filled water. He's going to step on something. This is not going to end with awesomeness. It's going to end with me at the vet, and I don't really want to go through this. 
And so I'm watching this all play out in front of me, seeing ducks, Tugger, and I'm like, what am I going to do? His natural instinct, the soulish part of Tug, wants to jump in the water. But I have a ball. Tugger loves the ball. So what do I do? Ducks are over here. I throw the ball over there. Tugger never sees the ducks. Why? The ball is better. And so he goes and chases after the ball. This is how, this is what I'm trying to get at. We can't just say no ducks, no ducks, no ducks, because pretty soon we're going to find ourselves with the ducks. Uh, We have to say yes to something better. So we throw the ball, we follow the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. And by walking in the Spirit, we begin to say yes to something better. Saying yes to the ball made, made saying no to the ducks a whole lot easier. The ability, this ability only comes through Christ because in Christ we are given this ability to walk by the Spirit. That's why Paul is leading up to this part in Galatians. The whole part before this, he's talked about the law and the law, you're just going to, you're self-fulfilling prophecy, you're just going to keep falling into this. And then Galatians 5, so stop walking by the law, walk by the Spirit and through it you will not gratify the desires of over that come from the flesh. However, this also means something else. When we walk by the Spirit, we will have fruit that grows out naturally. Galatians 5.22. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience. I learned it, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no such law. All of these things grow out of what? Walking with the Spirit. However, Here's a mistake that I fall into, and I don't know if you've fallen into it as well. We can say, I want fruits of the Spirit. And we say, I, I want the fruit of patience. And so patience looks like a lemon. And so I'm going to take this, and I'm going to say, I'm going to be patient. And I, and I say, here's my tree of life, and I'm going to put that on there. <laughs> exactly what happens, right? Right? And we say, but I want patience. I want patience. I got to just be more patient. And so I just stick it up there and go, there, I'm patient. Look how patient I am. And then later on in life, we go, oh, I, I, need, I need that gift of self-control because I Netflix way too much. And I need self-control. And it goes bouncing across the room. And I need it. And so I'm going to take this self-control thing and I'm going to, and the same thing happens, Right? You can't say to yourself, I'm going to be this and then automatically be this. It doesn't work that way. That's a very soulish way of looking at your life. The fruits of the Spirit, what do they come by? The Spirit. How do we get fruits of the Spirit? By walking with the Spirit. They're not just something you can tape on and they never stick. They're not just something you can say, I'm going to try harder and maybe I'm going to place this someplace better there. And there it's in. Look, look how good I look. That's not how this works. Yet that's how we operate. We say, I want, I want, I want, and I try and I try and I try. That's not how fruit grows. That's not how it grows. It doesn't come by trying harder. 
We can do a lot of good things in the church and still be doing it operated by the soul. Operated by our own desires. I can teach, I can worship, I can lead, and I've done this all from places of the flesh, and God is gracious, and he will, and he will use whatever we bring to the table, but it doesn't last. How? I walk away exhausted. I get angry, bitter. It doesn't stay. Being patient is hard. Having self-control all on yourself is difficult. And we come to the end of ourselves and we don't have joy anymore. Why? Because it's so hard to be joyful all the time just for the sake of being joyful. The reality is it's possible to miss out of the life that God has for you even while doing the most Christian of things. You can fill your life with social justice. You can fill your life marching in every rally and everything you can come to. But if you don't have the spirit that is fueling that desire, it's going to come back empty. This is what Paul is getting at. This is what living by the spirit means. You can't expect change from your soul when all you're doing is rearranging everything on the surface. The change needs to be deeper. A change in your soul must come from an awakening of your spirit in order to govern your soul. So how is it released? Hebrews 4 tells us a story of of the children of Israel. And some of them, when they went into the land, moved all the way across the Jordan. But there were two tribes who refused. There were two tribes that said, I'm just going to stay out here. I'm not going to go all the way into the land. I'm going to live on the edges. I'm going to pace things on and hope they stick. And they did that. And Hebrews 4 tells them this, tells us this. They did not fully enter God's rest. It might have looked like it. They might have looked good, but they weren't there. They were next to it, but they weren't in the promised land. They stayed out of the promise and never fully entered in. And so this is what Hebrews is getting to. And for chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, in order to fully enter the life that we are intended to live into, it means responding to the revelation that we get from, from God through our spirits and saying yes. The spirit in you responding to God's call for you and you responding yes. Learning to walk in the spirit is difficult. Tugger, learning to obey the ball took a long time for him to obey the ball. He had to say yes to it and yes to it again and yes to it again in order for him to finally get it. And the same is true with us. The more we say yes to the Spirit, the easier it is to walk by the Spirit. And there's only one way this comes. And none of us really want it. It's through brokenness. We saw last week with the story of Jacob wrestling with God. However, he's not alone. Every person that God calls is someone who also God breaks. Abraham, the promise that he, of a child, his brokenness, sacrifice your child. His wife, Sarah, heard that promise. Yet she had years, decades of infertility. Moses, God wanted to use Moses. What happened to Moses first? Kicked out of Egypt. Had to go to the far side of the desert. 
Leah was unloved by her husband. Joseph went to jail. Joshua was filled with fear. Ruth was widowed. Elijah hid in fear from it right after his greatest spiritual accomplishment. David battled entitlement amongst lust, amongst every other thing that you and I battle. Mary had the hurry of life. Peter had pride. Paul was shipwrecked. All of these people that God used for mighty ways had to endure something that you and I don't want to do, but we need to. Brokenness. You must be broken. We think we can avoid it, but we can't. We won't. If we want fruit, you first have to be broken. Why? Because the fruit comes from within you. That wall that's built up between your soul and your spirit needs to be broken down so your spirit can actually live and operate the way that it needs to live and operate. John 12 says this. Jesus is talking about his death and it applies to us too. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, I'm not good at gardening. I won't lie to you. I can barely keep a, a cactus alive. But this makes sense to me. Jesus was speaking about our own need to die to ourselves in order for his life to be released into the world. Each one of us, in order for his life to be released through us, must be broken in order for it to happen. No brokenness, no fruit, no exceptions. That's what we see in Scripture. It only comes through trials. So you want the fruit of patience? It's going to take patience. It'll only come through the trial of waiting. You want the fruit of self-control? It'll only come through learning to say no and then saying yes. You want the fruit of joy? You're going to have to go through some grief. And then you will truly find joy. Joy in every circumstance comes through walking through the times of grief. You want the fruit of peace? It only comes as you accept the peace that Jesus offers. We want the fruit of wholeness, but in order to be made whole, we must become full. In order to become full, we must become broken. This is the starting point. As we walk in the Spirit and we invite the Spirit to awaken our souls in order to live out the way we were, need, the way we were first created to live. So this morning, as you look at this fruit of the Spirit, and you go, this looks awesome. I want that. Question back to you is, okay, what do you need to be broken from? What's that place as you think of your life with God and you look and say, I want it this way. And then you hear back from God saying, okay, I, I need you to surrender this. I need you to give that part to me. And then once you surrender this, you'll be broken. It's not fun, but it's worth it. And then at that point, you'll be saying yes to what the Spirit has for you and no to what the flesh has for you. Then you will walk by the Spirit. And as Paul says later in that section, uh, since we live by the Spirit, then you'll be able to keep in step with the Spirit wherever the Spirit may follow. So what is your first yes? As Dylan comes up and the worship team comes up, ponder that question for me. What's the first yes? What's the first answer? What's that first call that God has been putting on you in order that you might have the life that not you want, but the life that he wants? What do you need to give up? Is it pride? 
Is it status? Is it money? Is it a position? Is it an image? What needs to die in order that you might truly live? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you come and you offer us true fruit. The fruit only comes if we remain connected to you. This is what the vine and the branches is all about. Fruit only comes as we are connected to the source of fruit from the inside out and not that outside in. Lord, may we stop falling for fake fruit. May we only settle for the good stuff, for the real stuff, the stuff that doesn't fall off, the stuff that grows naturally. Father, as much as I don't want to pray it for us, I pray you break us so that you may take over and that your spirit will begin to move and shape in our lives ways that we can never understand and we will be able to live out what you originally have for us. And people will be invited to you, to fullness, to grace. May we walk by your spirit. 